You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 116. I am one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I am Michael Edwards. And uh, I, I don't want to say that we we scooped this whole slacklash <laughs> thing, uh, but I, I think this is going to be our follow up for the episode. Is I want to talk a little bit about uh, this this uh, Atlantic article and this uh, Agile Bits blog post and kind of the, this culture of like we're quitting Slack because. Yeah. Uh, well, I think first. Um, this Agile Bits post is, I think, well thought out. It's not hyperbolic. He's not being like a whiny baby about it. He? I think it's a he. The author is not being a whiny baby about it. Yeah, Dave. I assume that's probably <laughs> a he. Um, but a lot of the uh, tech press that is talking about people quitting Slack are just so obviously glomming on <laughs> to the fact that Slack is popular. Like, no one would talk about like I'm not going to use this tool if it wasn't a media darling. Yeah. Well, it's just like all the like why I stopped using iPhone or Android articles like it's like, "Oh, I want to know what's what's the train wreck over here." I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anything that rises as quickly as Slack has in the in the work professional world consciousness is going to eventually get a backlash. It just happens. Well, I mean, you said while we were setting up in the pre-show, like, what a delightful problem to have that <laughs> people love your product so much that it's considered like hip and trendy to be like, I don't use Slack. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but everybody around you does. So get over yourself. I use IRC. Oh, that's where it all started. You know, Slack is just a ripoff of HipChat, which is just a ripoff of IRC. But so we, you know, you and I use Slack for, and, and all the hosts use Slack for Sunrise Robot. Uh, we both use it in our day jobs. We also have a like a friend Slack that we're in with some people yeah. we know. <laughs> it's not um, very active, but it's there. Yeah, it's, it's there. But uh, we also had a a like uh, discussion Slack that you set up with some people you know and some people we both know, and and it was uh, supposed to be a place for like rich discourse. And we realized after doing it for a little while, like Slack ain't good at that, like yeah. not even a little bit. Uh, so we we switched. I recommended discourse. You were like, heck yes, I've been looking for an opportunity to try discourse. <laughs> um, I think it's been going better because the threaded conversations and it's it's not burdening you with the pressure of real time. Um, yeah. But now apparently they're going to add threaded conversations to Slack. <laughs> so, I mean, what does that even look like? Because Slack is still at its heart. It's chat. It's live. It's present. It's. I mean, yeah, your messages are waiting for you if you aren't signed in for a while, but... Um, it's very much a synchronous thing, even though people you can use it asynchronously just fine. But um, I'm just thinking in terms of the way a chat room or a channel, as they call them in Slack, um, what does that look like when you put threading on it? And supposedly, um, according to the Mossberg, uh, I, I listened to his uh, whatever, Walt, WTF, whatever his podcast is. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell it's called, but I know what <laughs> Anyway, you mean. it's his Verge podcast with Neil Apatel. But he he said that they were on their third version internally. So they've been like trying different ideas out for a while. It's not like they're shipping the first idea. Right. But I'm like, what does that look like in chat? Like is it gonna be like Twitter conversations where there's like some ellipses somewhere and you just click and it like ribbons out and shows you um and I guess the the biggest question I have is how are you like do users have to intentionally indicate they're replying on a specific conversation or can Slack magically know which <laughs> things are threads because if it takes human effort to say this is a conversation then that's not going to work I don't think Yeah I mean I'm I can imagine some of the ways this could work and then the second that thought finishes in my head, I have a litany of reasons. That's a terrible way to do it. But um, what I'm, what my my gut is, and I'm not a UX person, so this is probably there's going to be some UX person listening who's like, "That's terrible. Why would you even suggest <laughs> that?" But my my instinct is that it will work in the very 
uh, slacky kind of way that integrations and even some Slack functionality works today, which is uh, like if you have Hangouts integrated into Slack and you say like slash Hangout, then it, it you get a little like robot response that's like David started a Hangout in there and click on mm-hmm. this and then it opens it. So I can imagine if someone posts something, it's just a message until I say I want to respond to this message. Like this is what mm-hmm. I'm responding to. And then that transforms it magically into a thread. And then what that looks like in the UI, I have no idea. Like how do other people yeah. get into that thread? Do you have an additional thing in the left column where you have channels and private groups like that? Or I have is no it, idea. Is it like uh, the way comments work on anything that's an attachment? Like it has its own comment thread that lives on and like they have like some kind of block quote indicator or something every time you contribute to it or I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where the, the UX I think gets really tricky because once something becomes threaded comments, I, there are good reasons to still see it in the main channel that it spawned out of, but I also kind of don't want that. Well, I, right now I hate it if like you if I post a screenshot and then like a day later you finally comment. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, especially if the the screen if the the response is something like that was funny. You're like, I'll bet it was. What are you talking about? What was funny? I have yeah. no idea. I've lost the thread. Uh, uh, but seriously, I think. Um, they will probably still surface that there is activity happening on a thread in the channel. Um, but I hope they do it in, in kind of a, uh, condensed ish way so that it's not just like a conversation is going on and then randomly I'm being bombarded with people who are having a dedicated, cause I mean, that's the exact same problem we have right now. Yeah. It's like two people are having, trying to have a serious conversation <laughs> about a legitimate problem. And someone else is like, are you excited for game of Thrones? Yeah. And so those things need to be divided, but if they're completely divided, then I think we get back to the human effort problem you're talking about where it's like, how do I then decide when to go off and do this other feature? Well, and then why not just, do what people do now and create extra channels over and over until you have too many channels and then you're like ah like i have yeah. a marketing question well there's 17 marketing channels because we didn't realize how many we had yeah and that's so that kind of brings us back to the atlanta article the atlantic article and uh and the similar articles that are, are like this um and i'll say uh they called this article here comes the slack backlash you guys Sorry, <laughs> folks, y'all, uh, you had a perfect opportunity to use Slacklash and you didn't. And that's sad for you. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these articles are very much like, oh, it's so overwhelming and there's just all these channels and you don't know what to do. And people are using it for all the wrong reasons and they want to do everything in Slack. And the reason that I like the Agile Bits article is because uh, the author, who I guess is like one of the 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 founders maybe of yeah yeah the one of the founders of agile bits which makes one password which you should totally use um he said the are the problem with it at agile bits was that people recognized it was not the best tool for the job but we're just like but it's so cool (laughs) so his argument is like i don't want people to have a tool even available to them that is forcing them to make bad decisions. Well, it was like a magnetic field that like, you'd be like, they have a wiki, they have these other tools for like, oh, this is a common sales question. Let's document the answer so people can look it up. Well, Slack is a hell of a drug and I can just <laughs> ask everyone immediately and get an answer and not have to go look at the website, which means people aren't saving answers, which means that website deteriorates in value. And then suddenly you only have Slack. It's not just like, oh, you shouldn't don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it eventually gets to the point where you have to do exactly what he said, which is uh, a kind of bad cop policing where someone says something and you're like, oh, that should really, did you check the wiki first? And <laughs> and so not to knock his team at all, because I mean, Slack is a hell of a drug. But I think part of the reason I have not experienced this is because of the three Slack channels I'm routinely in. Um, the Sunrise Robot one is highly focused, right? Like we pretty much only use it for business and then stupid chatting happens in other places. Yeah. Uh, the the friend one we have is meant to be stupid nonsense. 
so it doesn't matter because <laughs> yeah. it is serving its purpose. Um, and then the the team that I'm on at work, which is the entire company, it's not just the tech people, it's also everyone, right? Marketing, yeah. sales, the CEOs support. in there. I mean, the, yeah, support. Um, but we have somehow built into our culture this highly disciplined use of Slack. And if you are doing something you shouldn't be, or if you're just lazily asking questions that have obviously been documented, like you are pushed in the correct direction and culture corrects your behavior. And it's not in a way where you're like, oh my God, my coworkers are so mean, which uh, Dave in the Agile Bits article said, like one of his coworkers called him out for being in a bad mood. And he realized <laughs> it was because the thing that made him sound like a jerk was correcting someone's Slack behavior. Like, yeah. oh, you're not supposed to do it in Slack. And I just... I believe that that's happening. I can absolutely see how it would happen. I have just been lucky enough to dodge it. I mean, how do you? How does Slack work for you? Do you have like dozens of people in there, or is it like ten of you? Well, yeah. My big disclaimer is I've never been on a large team in Slack. It's always very small groups, so you just don't bump into the volume problems, which I really think Threading is attempting to solve, um, or at least one of the primary things. Um, but you know, as I was reading these Slacklash articles, the the thing that struck me is that people really need to manage their expectations with tools. And Slack is not some messiah tool that solves <laughs> all human culture problems. <laughs> like you were saying, like the culture at your workplace is able to intelligently use Slack as a useful tool and by driving people's behavior to, to use it well. And, uh, you know, Slack is a damn good tool, but it can't magically solve human culture problems. And um, large organizations with a lot of people, communicating is just cost more when you're in a huge organization. Because trying to, to round everyone up or, like, spread a message or um, there's only so many things you can say at once before you've said too many and people can't get them all. And right. so... There's just so much going on in large organizations that you have to spend extra time communicating, and that's it doesn't matter whether you're using Slack or anything else. That's a problem. And uh, I, just, I don't know. That's my main theme is, like, manage your expectations. This is a good tool, <laughs> but it's not going to make everything perfect in rainbows. <laughs> so I think the most interesting takeaway from this Agile Bits article specifically is not oh, we're breaking up with Slack, not, oh, we found it incredibly addictive. Like, those are all things I've I've heard other places. Um, even though he does a tremendous job in his language and phrasing, and it's very level-headed, uh, and, and it seems well-reasoned out, but the tool that they are leaving Slack for is Basecamp. And I realized that I have, in my career, uh, historically been part of such fragmented poorly documented teams that it never even occurred to me that Basecamp would be a stand-in for Slack on a team <laughs> that doesn't have a communication problem because <laughs> everywhere I've worked up until the company I work for now it was just like well everything's done via email and most of those emails will have word docs attached to them because <laughs> yeah. we're all insane and hate you so <laughs> I uh, when I saw at the very end of the article when he's like, yeah, we're going to switch to Basecamp and then we're going to write another article about what our experience has been like. That really brought the the idea of threading full circle for me because, well, have you ever used Basecamp? No, um, it seemed really important in like the mid aughts <laughs> and like kind of <laughs> feels like it's disappeared, even though I'm sure there are teams still using it. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it's a very focused tool that has a specific culture kind of use. Um, and it's meant to be, uh, I think it's primarily probably used by software teams and, and highly technical teams. Um, but I've seen it in education and, it, you know, it's an enterprise. I think some design folks use it too. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an enterprise collaboration tool. But the main thing that uh, I remember from using Slack or using Basecamp, like literally eight years ago or 10 years ago, it's been a long time, um, was that uh, you would have like a file or a topic or something, and then you could have a threaded discussion very much the way you would on like a forum. And 
the idea of because you know document sharing like that's pretty much a solved problem and and like slack it scans documents so that they're searchable and that's neat but like i already have google docs like searching yeah. is is a solved problem. and our desktop os's can do that too exactly so if you're using you know cloud stuff or local stuff like pretty much a solved problem um but the idea of like so just say for example in sunrise robot like you and i were in the flipping tables channel we're talking about something and then like Justin and Matt pop in and they want to talk about something else. So because you and I are actually trying to make a decision and they're just talking about like generally related stuff to flipping tables, like we, however, go into a thread and then everything posted on that thread is about the topic we're discussing, right? Even if we want to go back into the main channel and like screw around with Matt and Justin, we know that the conversation where we're actually trying to get business done is like pure and preserved and there's some like <laughs> flow and sanctity around it. Yeah. And, and that I like, I understand that I immediately see the value in that. Um, like I said, I've been very lucky that the, the, cause I mean, my company is several hundred people. So the fact that we've managed to keep the, <laughs> the usefulness of Slack there is kind of staggering. Um, but I could still see the benefit of this, of being able to say like, oh, you guys are trying to solve like a larger problem and you don't want to create a group or a private channel just for this. Yeah. Like, go put that in a thread. And if they make that user experience easy, then awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's like imagine you're, you're chatting up a coworker in the middle of the, the room or like the, the office and like a loud party erupts and people are like playing playing basketball and whatever, like some announcement comes out and you grab a side room to finish your conversation. It's basically that kind of concept, I guess. Well, and I mean, the thing about threaded specifically is, uh, the, the nesting aspect, I think, yeah. because that way, if, if you and I are having a conversation, say like, we're going to change the album art for the show and, uh, you and I are having a conversation and part of the conversation is about the color and part of the conversation is about the font. If somebody joins that threaded conversation, they can just reply to the part that's about color. And then that sort of becomes its own little back and forth, right? I mean, we've all used forums. We more or less understand yeah. how forums work. But like there's serious utility to that that I've just not... Uh, been a major victim of because I'm not a product person, right? So my my problems are usually short and have like one factual answer. Like, hey guys, what's the answer to this question? I can't find it in the knowledge base, right? It's not like we need to get together and collaborate on this massive long-term yeah. project. And that's where I think threading is like, oh, okay. So what do you, do you guys use anything besides... Um, Slack, do you have? Are, please tell me you're not a, a SharePoint shop. No, <laughs> um, we're using Trello at work for tasks and like more complicated project. Did you bring that in? No, um, I mean I might have brought it up, but it wasn't like a new idea to them. They, <laughs> I mean, not to talk about work too much, but there's you know there's kind of a hey, there's a lot of tools. Can we just agree on one, guys? And <laughs> And like, hey, we're going to use this tool. Use it. Stop not using it. Stop emailing <laughs> instead. And yeah, um, well, I think that's Slack has the exact opposite problem, right? Which is like, hey, can you stop using Slack for everything? <laughs> like, yes, it's sexy. Yes, it's not email, but please, like, and th but there's th that <laughs> mindset out there. They're like, I if if I'm switching to something, I better do literally everything on earth because I want one thing to do everything and i'm like i don't expect my cab driver to do my laundry like can we separate these roles yeah i this, this is uh i was just in our 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 forum that we're using we were talking about like some interesting philosophies and uh one of the few things that held over from the liberal studies part of my undergrad education is uh aristotle's theory of of how virtues work and i love to bring this up all the time because it's just so fascinating to me that uh, extremes are almost never where the virtues lie. And it's usually not right in the middle either. It's like, it may be closer to one extreme, but it's not the extreme ends. And uh, people do this all the time with with software solutions and, and tools and, and workflows where they're like, I either want the theory of everything, like Stephen Hawking needs to solve <laughs> all problems forever with this one mathematical equation, and then people swing way too far the other way and they're like, 
no, I need an individual tool for every single circumstance. Like I don't just have one Phillips head screwdriver. I have a Phillips head screwdriver for screws where the top is flat and one for where (laughs) the top is rounded. Even though they both work for both of those kinds of screws, (laughs) I have two different screwdrivers and I only use them. And it's like, no, you've gone. Both of those things are the wrong way to do it. Stop going to those extremes. Yeah. Well, especially in in a day and age where sign-ins are very persistent. It's not like even someone without a password manager doesn't need to constantly know how to sign into literally every tool it kind of comes down to like hey it's not that much of a cost to have a few more apps involved in our collaboration well and uh now that everything is software as a service it's not like oh i got to install this thing because i wasn't (laughs) using it it's like no you gotta call it (laughs) yeah yeah that those days are long gone which i wonder if it is is pro or con on that because if the web app has massive security flaws, they really can't stop you from doing stuff with it. <laughs> I don't know. Anything else to say about the Slacklash? I had a whole other like side train about like bots and their utility and messaging, but I'm just, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I eagerly await the unveiling of what they thought threading should look like, and hopefully it does solve these problems. But I'm still like, I don't know what, the car looks like i'm still trying to make a faster horse in my head so. <laughs> yeah i mean for me this is all about two things uh how do i start and get into a threaded conversation and then what does that look like if i'm not in it so if i'm in the place where that threaded conversation started what's my experience like yeah right so those two problems are the ui ux problems that i think are most obvious uh, there's probably tons of others. I don't know because this is not my field. Um, yeah. But those are the two. Just I mean, I have Slack open right now because we always have it open while we're recording. And just looking at the sidebar, I'm like, well, I guess they could add another header. But is that really a good experience? I don't know. It's already a pretty dense app. I mean, I don't think it's hard to to understand right now. But, you know, you start adding more and more tabs and buttons, it's going to get ugly fast. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm imagining just looking at my list of channels like, oh, well, there could be like a little plus. And then if it'll expand below the channel, all the threads that are in that channel. And it's like, well, do they expire? Are they there forever? Like there's hundreds of people in my company. Is that going to just get <laughs> like go on for an eternity? And how, how long till you have SharePoint just nested, 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 nested? <laughs> oh, God. You know, the first time I heard somebody complain about what it was like to navigate in SharePoint, I was like, no, it can't be that bad. You know, because everyone's prone to hyperbole now and again. And then when I actually saw it, I was like, "Ah." I mean, it's just, it's, it's just nests all the way down. I mean, it's, it's folders in folders and folders and folders and folders. Yeah. And you can't talk about enterprise software without crapping on SharePoint. <laughs> it deserves to be crapped. <laughs> All right. So we've had this topic on here, this next one, uh, this time zones and calendars thing for a while. Um, this always makes a resurgence, of course, every time the clocks change or if you uh, you you've, are accidentally looking at like the wrong year. So you're looking at the wrong day of the week and you miss a meeting or something. Um but here in the United States, we just uh, changed the clocks in, what, the end of March, right? So a little, mm-hmm. over, little over a month ago. Um, and I'm really tired of this. Like, <laughs> yes. I am so done with the clock change. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I travel some for work, so I'm, I'm moving from time zone to time zone. Uh, one of the places I routinely have to go is Arizona, where guess what? They don't do the damn time change. <laughs> yeah. So like that's always. But since confusing. the entire rest of the world still does, it's kind of like irrelevant that they don't because you're still switching yeah. or not, but at, like not in a way where you're constantly aware of what time zone Arizona's in. Yes, and there are so many little annoying facets to this where technology has like help hurt. It's like it's helped. But it's hurt because when it doesn't work, you've come to rely on it and you don't realize it has screwed you. Uh, So my watch, I love my Moto 360, but um, it doesn't seem to update the calendar. Like it's cached calendar events 
and it doesn't update the time zone when I change time zones. So the time is right. Like if I look at the my watch to check the time, it tells me my local time. But <laughs> it gives me meeting notifications in the time I set that meeting up. Uh. <laughs> yes, I don't know why this happens and it's really confusing. So when I'm traveling, I just don't trust my watch. I can't. Like I have to look at my phone or my calendar. And the first couple times I was like almost late to a meeting because of that, I was like, well, I can never trust you again because <laughs> the failure rate on this has to be 0%. You need like a, a tattoo like Memento. It's like, don't believe it's lies <laughs> <laughs> right next to your watch. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I'll, I'll make a custom watch face with like <laughs> frowny face emojis all around the clock. Um, but I mean, even if you don't travel and I mean, I, I travel some, you know, probably more than the average person, but even if you don't travel for for business or for pleasure a lot uh, and move between time zones there's a really good chance you talk or work or interact with people in other time zones so like if you talk to someone in arizona this is a problem right but if you're dealing with like international right like uh, matt on on uh, bits and pieces is in germany do yeah. they do they change i think they do but it's yeah a, it's not the same time that we change it's a different time of the year yeah, we're eight or seven hours off of Germany here in Colorado. Yeah, and then in, uh, I think like in Australia, because the seasons are reversed, since it's the Southern Hemisphere, they also have different times they change. So from your point of view, there's only one time change, but if you're dealing with people in the other parts of the world, you also have to remember when they change and which direction they're changing. Yeah. These things aren't stable either because there's a lot of politics around countries changing their time zones for... I don't even know what sort of weird economic reasons that they're like doing time warfare, <laughs> but um, even time has been co-opted by <laughs> governments and, and industry and everything. But yeah, I mean, so the reason we're complaining about all this is there, you know, this is not a new thing. There's been solutions proposed to this for centuries even. Um, but mostly in the 20th century, I think there's been a lot of new development on like proposals to fix this. And uh, so we've got a, a Washington Post article called The Radical Plan to Destroy Time Zones. And the basic ideas, and we were talking about calendar too, is like, let's unify, like the world is global, internet, everything's connected, like let's have one time. Like, you know, something based on physics of <laughs> space so that it's very stable and easy to reference no matter where you are in the universe. And uh, also fix our calendar so that it's not like, well, except on Tuesdays every 16 years, this one switch happened. <laughs> like, almost like uh, I remember Jim Gaffigan joking about like Catholic like laws during Lent and other times like don't eat fish except on Friday. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, it's weird. I, I was raised in that world. It is really bizarre to a kid <laughs> who doesn't understand the weight of all the religious implications. It's just like, you know, oh, are we are we going to have, you know, meatloaf this week for dinner? And it's like, no, why not? Because Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we can roll through some of these proposals. One of my favorites is the calendar reform that would just make knowing what day and time of the year you are in so much simpler. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Like, I think we're both completely in favor of some of these solutions, but I mean, let's talk through like, so the, one of the main calendar fixes is a, like a 13 month calendar and you would only have to fix the, the length of the calendar. Um, how did it work? The, so it the, the 13 month one is one of the, uh, because there's actually a couple different 13-month ones, but it's... A leap week. Yeah. Yes, it's it's one of the ones that's standardized, meaning if you, like, if my birthday is on a Tuesday, it is now on a Tuesday forevermore. And I specifically chose a day of the week most people would not want their birthday to be on so that I could immediately get to, you're allowed to celebrate your birthday whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, calm down, everyone. <laughs> Like, yes, for a small child, it might be frustrating to be like, oh, I have to go to school on my birthday. But once you are over the age of 12, maybe even younger than that, it's like, yeah, we'll just celebrate your birthday the previous weekend or the following weekend because you are allowed to celebrate things whenever you want. 
Yeah. So the 13-month calendar is every single month is 28 days, exactly four weeks long. And then you just have a leap week. Uh, and then they also proposed like the, the new month would be called Columbus, which I think would be kind of controversial now. But yeah, maybe that... in 1930 <laughs> when it was proposed, Columbus was still this great explorer that totally didn't <laughs> enslave people or do awful things. <laughs> yeah, that, that part we might have to be flexible on, but... I mean, in, in general, any of the, cause there's, there's, I mean, we link to a Wikipedia article that has a bunch of these and, and there's tons of different, uh, ways people want to reform the calendar. Um, one of the ones I'm not sure if it's on here, but, uh, some people are just like, yeah, why don't we just count days and not have weeks or months? Like, just like, what day is it? It's the 58th. And like, then the 58th is always the 58th cause it's the 58th day of the year period. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and a lot of these calendar, uh, proposals have even worked in, uh, so you said leap week, um, and, and some of the ones that only require a leap day, just like our, our current calendar, it's like, well, but if it's standardized and then you have a leap day, no, you know how you prevent that from throwing the calendar off? You just don't count it. <laughs> it's just a free day. Like it's the free square <laughs> on bingo. Everybody just gets that holiday and then the counting isn't set off by that because you don't count it. <laughs> yeah. But we we need the seasons to be represented as mapping to exact parts of the year, don't we? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's it, why the people want the leap <laughs> stuff. So summer is always summer. Yeah. But it, with a leap day, you would be off by an entire season every uh, 1500 years or something like it would take that long. And some of these calendars have even built in like, okay, every, you know, 10th leap year, you skip it so that it doesn't push the seasons off, you know, in t so that, you know, August is now the yeah. middle of winter in the Northern hemisphere. Like this is not complicated math. People have worked this out in a thousand different ways. Yeah. I, I would totally welcome having a more comprehensible, approachable calendar. I mean, just like our languages, though, our calendar is really just a bastardization of like tons of religions and conquerings and cultures. Like we took over your country and now you celebrate these holidays, which <laughs> are about how great our king is. And just like that happens, you know, you stir that pot for a couple millennia and you have our calendar now. And it's like, well, of course, August is longer than February because Augustus was a greater, like whatever, <laughs> like <laughs> our God is bigger. And <laughs> You do enough of these, and you you have the mess we have now. And um, I, I I would totally foresee people that love tradition would completely oppose calendar changes. Um. Well, and this, so this is where the conversation always breaks down for me when I am talking to these kinds of people who are like, "No, but this is the way we've always done it." I'm like, "No, it's not." First off, it's not there's the way. No we, one way. <laughs> yeah, there's no one way we, we've always done it. Secondly, there are still parts of the world that don't use the calendar you probably think is the only calendar, and they have to adjust to your nonsense whenever they deal with you. So this is already not standardized. It's not like the whole world has agreed on what are, is it the Julian calendar we use right now, or is it the Gregorian? I think it's the Julian. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just... I Anyway, but, you know, there's like the Chinese calendar and there's the Hebrew calendar and there's, I'm sure, many, many others I've never heard of and I'm not familiar with. But this is already a problem where standardization is not in place. So you can't say like, well, everybody knows the Julian calendar um, <laughs> for one thing. And for another thing, uh, that calendar was not based on any kind of like sound reasoning. And it's only been around for like, what, a couple millennia at most. Right. Yeah. So there was huge swaths of human history. Some might say the majority of it where we were not using the Julian calendar and things more or less functioned. And, and I don't feel like marking time is an emotional thing. We people... actually, sorry, I finally looked it up. We <laughs> used the Gregorian calendar, which was re a refining of the Julian calendar. So oh, we okay. just had it backwards. Yeah. I, 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 I had the direction off, but it, even so even then like i don't even know what freaking calendar i use and it's the only <laughs> calendar i've ever used but 
I don't I don't feel like marking time should be this emotional like the the system of it should not be something people have an emotional attachment to like you know marking time of like your the your the age of your children or the the years you've spent with your significant other or the you know the amount of days you've been off drugs or you've been sober or something like that like yes absolutely those are emotional things that you should mark time on but literally how you count them like whether you count in base eight or base 10 should not be an emotional decision like (laughs) that's a logical decision and so so we got way from we immediately jumped calendars from time because i think the calendar is so much more obviously broken yeah (laughs) it's just people can understand like oh wow there's just a crazy amount of stuff going on in the calendar um i just hate the like you, you switch from February to March and you're like, well, it's only one week, but is it like the fifth, the sixth, the seventh? Like which day, like just like you can't do easy modulo arithmetic in your head for switching through between months. And I hate that. And I wish it was way easier. Well, I, so I was complaining about this to Susan, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago when we first added this to the, the show doc and we realize that uh, even though our birthdays are in different months, they are lockstep on the day. So whatever, and mine comes first in the year, so whatever day of the week my birthday was, we know her birthday is going to be on that same day. And it's like, oh, and I mean, she's she's more or less with me on changing the calendar, but my immediate thought was like, that's a play a way you could like reach out to someone and be like, Hey, do you have any clever mnemonics for how you remember like when something falls? And if they say, yeah, then you can just cut them off and be like, wouldn't it be awesome if you never had to do that again? Because the days (laughs) didn't freaking change for no reason. Like you, you develop these emotional attachments to the stupid rules you have to remember other stupid rules. Like the, what's the knuckle thing? Like, you count your knuckles oh, yeah, and it tells I you. Forget. <laughs> I think, and then there's a nursery rhyme that's like 30 days, half, half September, April, June, June November. November. I know that. All one. the rest have 31 except for February, which breaks the rhyme because even that doesn't work right. <laughs> it's so annoying. And yeah. yeah. So the other proposal is to fix time zones, which I, I think is a lot easier to explain. Is that there, there is one, I mean, we have it, Greenwich Mean Time. You just adopt that and you know your offset from it i mean what else is there to say and when you set meetings up so there's two different things here there's the offset is what we have now so yeah we're at this time of year what are we six hours off or seven uh yes yeah exactly (laughs) I i think we're seven so right now we're seven hours off of as as of this recording i believe we're seven hours off of greenwich mean time um so that means that when it's 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 uh, seven o'clock here, or it's it's when it's seven o'clock there, it's midnight here, and so on, right? So UTC time is where there are no offsets, there are no time zones, and that just means that it's two o'clock everywhere, and then it's two o one everywhere, and then it's two o two, and in some places it'll be the middle of the day, some places it'll be the middle of the night, some deal places, with it. <laughs> yeah, and that you just have to deal with that. And when I've explained this to people before, they're like, but then I'd have to remember. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If that's your argument, you have no argument because (laughs) you already are doing this. The problem is you're doing it in a way that is faulty and prone to break. I'm just advocating for having to remember something simpler and easier to compute. Yeah. And this happens all the time with friends in other time zones in America or with Matt in Germany. It's just like, yeah, eight. Well. (laughs) 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 And yeah, with UTC time, you'd just be like, yeah, eight. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Also 24 hour. Like, let's not let's not do a.m. p.m. anymore either. Let's just be. He oh, didn't yeah. say 20. He said eight. I know exactly what he means. Yes. And th- so I do military time. Um, every once in a while, someone asked me like, oh, what branch of the military you were in? And I was like, the branch where I'm just a person who hates <laughs> ambiguity. Like, I, w- I was never in the military. I was never a police officer. I was never uh, in the medical profession. Um, any of those professions, you might expect someone to get into military time. But the reason it became like a personal vendetta for me is... <coughs> I spent a lot of years uh, working for Blockbuster and 
one of the things we had to do is when we handed someone their movie, we would circle on their receipt the little bit of text that said when the movie was due back. And we would say to them, your movie is due back by midnight on Thursday. And that always drove me, or Friday or, you know, whatever. That yeah. always drove me nuts because it wasn't. It was actually due back by midnight the following day because it was due at 11.59 the previous day. Yeah. But no one understands the difference between 12 noon and 12 midnight. So we had like all these little ways plus uh, we had a grace period. So technically you actually had like 12 extra hours to return a movie because no one knows how to tell time. Like, and you just didn't want to fight customers every single time when they thought noon instead of midnight or yeah. Or Thursday instead of Friday or yeah. whatever. So like we actually had to build into the business model as a company. We know our customers can't tell time because it's stupid and complicated. And people would say like, Oh, do you mean midnight Thursday or midnight Friday? And I was like, Oh my God, like don't, don't make me explain this. Not because you're dumb, but just because like, this shouldn't even be a discussion we have to have. Yeah. Like, you should not be confused if I tell you a time. Well, this is like doors with giant extravagant handles that are push doors, and you don't know because there's a giant <laughs> amazing handle, and you're like, I guess it's a pole. And it's like, we don't have to have this struggle with this door every single time. Like, we yeah. could just make less ambiguous doors. Yes. Yeah, the, there is a UX designer who sees these things all over the world all the time. I mean, you're getting deeper and deeper into design. It's going to be just more and more noise <laughs> from the world where you're like, what idiot? And I, I, I will say I understand that uh, the way we count time, uh, the way we, we do the calendar, um, no one ever sat down and solved these problems. These are things that uh, grew up naturally. Um, from a, a, a world with very different needs over many, many millennia, right? Small tweaks being made when, you know, this king conquered that king and then this czar took over from that pharaoh and whatever. Um, those days are, are, are done, though. And we, <laughs> we now have a mostly civilized planet where everyone more or less agrees that we are globalized. Even if we all hate each other, <laughs> we all do business together. We all can't stop physics right time is passing whether we mark it or not um i i don't know of any just good make it simple <laughs> yeah i just don't know of any good logical arguments against this because whenever the only one i've ever heard that even starts to make sense to me is like well it'd be a big undertaking and i'm like well we do not change time because it is easy but because <laughs> it is hard <laughs> uh the only other like we We'd have to get so advanced that my computer AR interface that I live inside <laughs> just lets me speak UTC and it translates to other people what they want to hear and then I don't have to live with their ambiguity anymore. That'd be convenient. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not no. any time in my lifetime. So, no. <laughs> so And, and the, the most frustrating thing about this to me is uh, if you are going to count in a different system from someone else, you are then responsible for being a calculator. So I can't switch to UTC because then every time I speak a time to someone else, I have to translate it. Yeah. And I just don't want to do that. Right. Um, th this is the problem I have with military time. At least the conversion is simple. You just subtract 12. So if you're a, if it's a number greater than 12, you subtract 12. People don't like arithmetic, though. No, but <laughs> I mean, for me. angry if you expect it of them, though. It's like, it's yes. 21. And they're like, I uh, speak American. And it's like, <laughs> so do, do you think, I, I feel like these are very separate proposals. I honestly don't think the UTC thing will happen maybe ever, but certainly not while we're not in our lifetime, and probably not until we are a spacefaring civilization, <laughs> right? Because when you talk about time, if you're on Mars and you're talking about time on Earth, you're not going to want to do like... You don't offsets. care whether the sun's up or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you're saying like, we're going to land it, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if NASA actually does it this way. Like, we're going to land at 600 UTC, like... It doesn't matter what time of day or night that is in Nepal or in London. Like it matters at the landing site and to, 
And to anyone who's going to hear this data, they need to know exactly when it is. It's not 6 a.m. local. It's not 6 a.m. You know, East Coast time because that's the only time zone. If you're an arrogant piece of crap, it's oh. yeah, I know, right? Um, I used to live there. I remember feeling that way. I was an arrogant piece of crap. Um, yeah. But it's 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 you know six UTC is six UTC period. And when you need precision, you need to use a counting system that's precise. And I didn't even think of this when I first brought up NASA. But if you recall, not that long ago, they destroyed like a multi-billion-dollar spacecraft because some people were doing the stupid American counting system, and other people were doing metric. And those are both fine ways of counting, if you agree. Yeah. So well, one of them is obviously a better way of counting, but <laughs> obviously like no question the superior counting system. So we we've outlined the technical reasons these are superior solutions to our current forms of calendar and time. What are the the cultural like what are the actual political barriers to this happening? I mean, there's just the inertia of entire populations of people that did not grow up with a different calendar and don't really want to spend any time of their day thinking about a different calendar, even if it's a horrible, complicated calendar system. People are amazingly resilient to change sometimes. Yeah, I think the way to, I I hate to say this, but I think a way you could help make this change successful would be to um, really, really prove and then convince businesses that not uh, changing the clocks would prevent people from dying in car wrecks on the way to work on Monday. Um, You know, not having a complicated calendar would prevent you from ever missing a meeting with a multi-billion dollar client. Um, You know, like all these, all these little, little like micro screw ups that happen because you're like, Oh, I thought it was four o'clock mountain, but you meant four o'clock you know, Greenwich Mean Time. Oh, and my, then like no. scrutinizing your your Outlook or Google like settings for time zones because you're like, wait, does that mean it's going to show me where I am or where I was? And like, even though like Outlook has settings that seem to work correctly for time zones, I'm still like worry about it. I'm like, oh, well, I set the meeting for 10 a.m. Mountain Time, but I created this meeting when I was in California. Did it know what I like? Ah. Yes. And I, I wish it always displayed the time zone next to a meeting in Google calendar. I don't know if you can turn that on, but you know, because I do uh, frequently deal with people in different time zones, every time I get an email where someone's like, Hey, can we meet at three? I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> Do you mean, and because you know, the second you see that email thread start where you're about to have that conversation about what time you're going to have the meeting, you're like, at least three of these emails are going to be making sure we know which time zone we're talking about. (laughs) So add up that cost over an entire year, how much your company is spending on you talking about time zones. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you mean mountain or do you mean East Coast or do you mean Pacific? Or, oh my God, do you mean mountain, but you're in Arizona? So fake mountain time? (laughs) And like, I've actually, so you, you know, the, the, the suffix, I guess it's a suffix. So if I write like, um, 4 PM MST, that's mountain time, right? Uh, Acronym. Uh, yeah, no, it's an initialism. There it is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a $2 word. (laughs) So it's a, it's a MST is mountain standard time. Just like EST is Eastern standard time and PST is Pacific standard time. And there's (laughs) central, but nobody cares. Um, (laughs) but I, I run into this all the time where someone will say, you know, like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll meet, you know, whatever ES or uh, MST. And I'm like, so we're in daylight savings right now. And you know that, right? Like you meant MDT and not because I'm trying to be a schmuck, but I'm afraid whatever calendar you use hasn't switched. And now you've made me nervous. So it's like, not only am I having to negotiate the, are we sure we're talking about the right time? But there's even then the additional overhead of these minor things where it's like, do I follow up on this? They probably (laughs) just typed it wrong, but what if they didn't? I really don't want to be an hour late or an hour early. And it's just like, I mean, 
in any organization that deals with people even just one hour away, right? Just one other time zone. I think you could prove that how multiple man hours are lost per employee per year. And then yeah. you just scale that up to the size of the company. And it's like, well, if say it's 10 man hours per employee or 10 person hours per employee per year, and you have a thousand employees, that is 10,000 person hours. Yeah. You just lost from like, <laughs> what time zone did you mean? <laughs> I was just thinking about like, imagine if other aspects of communication were this arbitrarily switched multiple times a year like <laughs> green means blue and blue means green during certain times <laughs> of the year and so just designers are like wait you mean green summer or green winter because <laughs> i need to know which one we're talking about <laughs> god that you know i i i think i'm in love with that analogy because <laughs> that clearly paints how incredibly stupid this is like you should this is it's counting like you should never have to ask like do you mean summer five or winter five because <laughs> if you were talking about anything except time that would be the dumbest question you could <laughs> yeah. possibly ask train someone. means car and car means train like let's take a train wait <laughs> which vehicle am i getting in <laughs> um, now i'm thinking of a baker's dozen <laughs> so it's like oh could you get a dozen eggs do you mean a baker's dozen or a dozen dozen and it's like how it why do we have two words that mean two different numbers like yeah. or sorry one word that means two different numbers like that's let's not ever do that like let's never create a new thing where that happens and and <laughs> the the insidious the the horrible evil thing about these kinds of cultural screw-ups is they're cultural, so you don't notice them because nobody sits down and makes these decisions. It's yeah. just one day you realize, like, I have lost so many hours of my life asking people what time zone they're in. <laughs> but you have the the other problem is and the person who proposes change gets anger from people. <laughs> and it's like, but it's worse. And like, even if this started getting some traction, kind of like Oxed Week, Oxed Saturday. I, st I still use that. <laughs> Um, people are going to get mad at you and be like, oh, you're just like some damn hipster. Oh, you adopted a new calendar? Oh, you're never confused about which <laughs> day your birthday's on? Look at you. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know why, but it's the calendar thing feels more approachable culturally and politically than the UTC thing. I, I just can't imagine people being able to wrap their heads around in a way that would they would vote for or be comfortable with saying like yeah i used to go to work from 9 a.m to 5 p.m and now i go to work from 1 a.m to whatever uh 10 10 yeah 10 p.m or 10 a.m or, right? or 9 <laughs> whatever damn it <laughs> yeah exactly um I, arithmetic is hard i don't hate it i'm just not good at it um but yeah i i, I don't think people would be comfortable with that switch. But the calendar yeah. thing, like being able to say like, Hey, wouldn't it be just nice if, if calendars were just standardized forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Right. <laughs> or at least for the lifetime of everyone making this decision. Now that you mentioned like working from one to nine or one to 10, I would love my work day to start at zero and just be like, yeah, <laughs> this is when my day starts. So you're, you know, to, close you have to, to move it. to London. <laughs> well, no, yeah. you'd have to be 12 hours off or, eight hours off London, which is here. <laughs> so stay here. We need to switch to UTC and then you'll be good to go. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, can you imagine the calendar thing happening even in like, let's say our children's lifetime. So by the end of the, the first century of the two thousands, you, you never know with cultural things, they can swing so suddenly it's, it's not is predictable. I don't think as other things that happen, but um, I, I feel like I want to predict that it's going to be something space related. Like you said, like we're going to be a space faring <laughs> species and we'll just get sick of like, we're over by Saturn. And it's like, I don't care what time it is in London. Just give me a damn number. That's consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like uh, there's this weird conversation that happens where people are like, 
oh, you're just trying to make this all logical and not everything needs to be logical. And my rebuttal to that is always, it doesn't not need to be logical. (laughs) (laughs) And my thing has obvious benefits. And the only benefit of your thing is we already do it that way. So that, that's, again, that's where the conversation always breaks down is like, yes, my there would be change and change is hard, but I want to change to something that we have reason to believe will be better. And you want to stay with something that is provably worse so you can just not change. And in, <laughs> in all facets of my life, I find that mentality really difficult to... Infuriating. <laughs> well... <laughs> I was going to say it's difficult to reach a consensus. Those people can be frustrating. But yeah, I kind of want to slap them repeatedly about the face and neck until they listen to me. But that would be stooping to their level, wouldn't it? (laughs) Then they'll beat you with experience. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) So the, uh, the Washington Post article that's in here... Um, oh my God, which is in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> that you can find it sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 116. Um, they uh, link to you know a little video about like time zones and how they work. And um, there's just one little fact I need to pull out of here. And, and that reminded me of something else since we talked about like the politics and the culture of this. Um, it's a, this is an exact quote. Uh, Nepal is inexplicably the only country in the world to have a time zone that is set to 45 minutes past the hour as opposed <laughs> to the traditional hour. Um, and there They're is just the court jester like, <laughs> yeah, messing just, around. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, if I recall correctly, uh, I feel like I have a friend who's from a country in South America who said, uh, and I think uh, North Korea also does this where they are, half an hour off the neighboring countries just because they hate their neighbors so much. (laughs) Like it's a completely emotional and politically driven, just like, well, you know what? When it's nine o'clock there, it's nine 30 here because you like, (laughs) it's just, Oh my God. That's not how time works. Like you can't, this is why I've always hated daylight savings times. Like you, you don't decide what time it is. It just is. And then you put a label on it. But the label means nothing. We just have to agree on the label. When you change the clocks, and all this in my mind really started from the the time changes. Like when you change the clock, nothing has changed except life (laughs) has gotten worse for a couple weeks. (laughs) So why do we still do this? Malik. I think we're done. Yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all burned out over here. Um, you got to recover. Yeah, seriously. Uh, anything else to say about this before I put a bow on it? No, I mean we got to switch, but it'll never happen. So <laughs> now, now we cry. Uh, okay, yeah, that's good. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, you can find the show notes, like I just said a minute ago, weirdly enough, for the first time at the end of this episode, <laughs> uh, as always, at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 116. Uh, Mike and I both love feedback. If someone can actually tell me why having a standardized calendar and UTC time is logically a bad idea, not emotionally, not logistically, but if there are logical reasons it's flawed, those I would be interested in. Anybody who just says like, but it would be hard. I've heard that argument. You're not going to sway me, Uh, but you can reach out to us. uh, I think most easily on Twitter. I am at lines and beta and Mike, you are pseudo Michael S U D O Michael. You still pretty happy with that? I like it. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm totally settled in. When, whenever I saw your your old Medwards music one, I couldn't help but read it Medwards, and I was like, I yeah. know it's M Edwards, but I have to read it, and it was it was confusing. You needed to standardize on pseudo Michael. <laughs> Um, you can subscribe to the show uh, in all the popular podcatchers and in iTunes, and now in Google Play Music. Uh, all of our shows available in Google Play Music, including yep. the the hot new all shows feed if you just want to get them all at once. Um, that helps people find the show because it drives it up and you know make sure you always get stuff delivered to you on day of release instead of having to go check manually like a peasant. Uh, and then if you want to do a little bit more to support us, 
Google Play Music Podcast, got that name. Uh, they actually don't have <laughs> like a rating system on their directory yet. Um, but all the other podcatchers that pull out of iTunes are still using the iTunes ratings. So ratings and reviews in there, still very helpful. Uh, and then if you want to go the extra step and maybe support us directly with a little bit of uh, the cash money, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the level you support us at, you can get your name shouted out at the end of this show or even all of our shows. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, UTC Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, and Justin Edwards. We love you all so much. We could not do this without you. Woo! <laughs> yep. See you next week. <laughs>